0: Californians are voting on a number of ballot measures this election, and one new measure will change commercial property taxation. KCSB's Robert Stark is joined by Derek Sagehorn of East Bay for Everyone to discuss the ballot measure, Prop 15, which will reform commercial property taxation in California.
1: Uh, Derek, great talking with you. Yeah, um, thanks for having me, Robert. For starters, uh, give some uh, background information on Prop 15, the support behind it, and what would it change uh, in how commercial property taxes are collected and what programs uh, would it fund?
0: Yeah, um, so Prop 15 is a a measure, a proposition brought before the California, um, you know, under the California initiative system that allows um, groups to go ahead and, you know, Bypass the legislature and say, you know, we need to uh, resolve um, whatever issue is that's on the table. Um, and so, Prop 15 was put together by a number of uh, labor organizations, anti-poverty organizations, affordable housing groups, um, and um, all kinds of civil society orgs to um, say we need to reinvest in our public services, including things like K-12 through education, community college, um, affordable housing, homelessness prevention, transportation, all the kind of stuff that has been really um, starved of money for the last 40 years. And the way they're, they propose to do that in Prop 15 is by closing uh, a loophole in the commercial property tax uh, law that says that um, commercial properties, meaning like businesses, um, large businesses, uh, commercial landlords – et cetera, um, th- their, their property tax assessment is frozen at the date that they acquired it. So for example, um, you know, Intel purchased property in Silicon Valley in the 80s, um, the late 80s, and that has been, you know, purchase price of, say, uh, three million. So I guess
1: one thing is because uh, one example is uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, foundation donating to the cause, and some critics are saying, that uh, big tech would they would not pay as much of a share because they bought their uh, property more recently but you're saying that's not entirely accurate
0: it depends it depends if they're a legacy tech organization I and mean, if they you know we have like silicon valley up in the north has gone through several kind of iterations and waves of tech investment and growth and so you know you think of the original silicon valley from the 80s um, and those companies, the ones that, that grew and purchased their own property and headquarters, likely they have not been reassessed since that time period, since the 80s or maybe the early 90s. But then you think of other uh, tech companies from more recent uh, tech growth and tech job growth, Think like Facebook, um, Google, and, um, and some of these other companies, uh, even uh, I think Postmates and Dropbox and stuff like that, they have not benefited from Prop fifteen. They've been paying either they've either purchased their own property and they're paying close to market rate assessments on that property or they're leasing property from commercial landlords that might have owned it for decades. so and paying the full there no there's no discount because of of uh, legacy property tax assessments. So it's really an uneven uh, distribution of the benefits to large cro- corporations it's actually it's, it's a disincentive to new entrants into tech uh into kind of the um silicon valley tech economy because essentially if you're a legacy business like intel apple h uh, uh hewlett-packard these companies they already start from it besides being gigantic multinational corporations with like large cap rates they um they also start from they don't have to pay property taxes on current market value. So if you're if, if Silicon Valley is going to be that place where the scrappy startup can compete, where our existing tax law says, no, you're going to have to pay full market rate property taxes or, or, or rents and the big boys are going to get a legacy assessment. So this is really equalizing the playing field. And I, I'm not sure. I don't know if if all tech companies especially the new ones are have bought into that argument i think some of them are just kind of staying out because they don't think it's their fight but it is you know you're right uh, chan zuckerberg um initiative which is the kind of um um nonprofit started by mark zuckerberg and his wife um uh chan um chan zuckerberg chan zuckerberg i believe they um do they you know, they're supporting this and they've been really big players and one getting it the uh, signatures on the ballot to, signatures to get it on the ballot and then also supporting it during this fall campaign. But I mean, they're one of of a lot of uh, there's a, a player in in supporting this. The big player has been labor. Uh, it's the California Teachers Association. It's uh, SEIU, which represents service workers. It's, um, you know, unions representing um, engineers and planners and uh, transit uh, bus drivers and labor, I would say, is the driving force of this because they understand that they have witnessed the the austerity uh, from you know neoliberalism of the seventies and the eighties that we've been living under. That started in, in nineteen seventy eight with the, the passage of Proposition thirteen. So Prop fifteen really is is pushing back against essentially four decades of austerity in California. And it's it would represent just the biggest um, investment in public services that we've ever had as a state. Um, so the, I, they're really the drivers under this. I am happy that uh, the, that Mark Zuckerberg is supporting, but when it comes down to it, they're you know labor and civic society and affordable housing groups like California YIMBY. They're the ones that are really pushing this forward, um, and they, they recognize that you know a growing economy where we have um, these gi- gigantic uh, investments.
1: This is the concept of uh, of split role that applies different tax rates based on when they're assessed. So like, can you give some examples of really extreme disparities?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I saw one on Twitter yesterday that showed um, in San Francisco there's the Trans uh, Transamerica building, which is the big kind of pyramid building in the financial district, which was constructed in the, I believe it was finished in the 73. Um, that building um you know big office building it would be I mean, if prop 15 passed it would be reassessed but under its existing um property assessment um it pays pennies on the dollar compared to the salesforce tower which is you know represents a massive new investment in jobs um for a more kind of tech 2.0 um company and that 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 salesforce tower despite having a similar in times of of Office square footage in a very high rent area, um, they're paying twenty to thirty times as much in property taxes as the Transamerica Building.
1: Would the measure have any impacts uh, on urban development, including a uti- like underutilized property? Would it increase construction within urban areas, and then what impact could it have on sprawl?
0: Yeah, so from if you if you kind of visit California cities downtowns, you you see. Um, legacies of kind of mid-century redevelopment policies that encouraged uh, cities to knock down uh, either private landowners or public entities to knock down existing housing and other uses. So we just see these surface parking lots throughout um, uh, California downtown, and this would actually help develop a lot of those because currently those commercial property, uh, those uh, surface parking lots are coded as commercial property under the California state, Uh, tax assessment rules. And so they have been having these legacy tax payments, even though they might be charging more for parking. Um, So passage of Prop 15 would help um, incentivize uh, these landowners of, of, you know, vacant lots or single storey underutilized lots that don't have, um, you know, again, this, this measure doesn't, Prop 15 doesn't apply to residential property. Uh, at all, including rental property, uh, but it would in- incentivize the, the the redevelopment of these service parking lots, these like one-story um, commercial underutilized commercial lots, maybe strip malls that have seen uh, better days that have like uh, high vacancy rates. It would help, you know, increase the the land economics to make those pencil into things like mixed income, mixed use uh, uh, apartment buildings um, that we really need right? Uh, we need from an affordability standpoint, we need from a, um, a reducing our greenhouse gas, um, footprint. Um, and then also just, you know, developing our neighborhood. So they're walkable, um, friendly places to be. And it's not, uh, just a, you know, half acre surface parking lot in the middle of your downtown.
1: How do you address, uh, concerns that, uh, tax rates will be passed on to consumers, uh, and, uh, And uh, small businesses, I guess, I mean, I'd say there is, there is a sensitivity towards that because of what's happening uh, during, during the pandemic where a lot of small businesses are, are becoming bankrupt. To clarify, there is an exemption on small businesses, but how do you address concerns that tax rates will be passed down on to uh, small businesses that are renting and then also on to the consumers?
0: Yeah, so I mean, as you mentioned, there's a um, there's an exemption for uh, property owners, commercial property owners that own property assessed at three million dollars or less, and as well as for tenants of property that have um, improvements. So, like, if you built a, if you're leasing commercial property, and you built a really nice um, uh, barbecue, if you have a barbecue restaurant, and you build a really nice smoker that's attached to the restaurant, you would get a tax cut on that on that. Um, that property, that movable, or uh, sorry, fixture property. So there's a tax cut there for small businesses. The other point you make, this is what's called a triple net lease, which is where small businesses are leasing um, commercial property and that the property taxes through the, the lease is passed on to consumers. So I think we need to separate two things here. One, the commercial landlords that are benefiting from this have not been giving commercial uh, tenants a break because of low property taxes. That's absolutely farcical. If you if you look at the commercial rents prior to COVID, people were, they were charging the market rate, no matter, you know, there was no, there was no discount for having a legacy property tax assessment, uh, renting in, a, in, in such a building. Um, so this idea that it's going to get passed on is, is, it just, it's funny, to, especially since a lot of the opposition to Prop 15 is, con, is from conservatives, um, they're willing to use this idea of, um, you know, how markets uh, price goods and whatnot. They're completely willing to abandon that when it comes to landlords having to pay, um, you know, pay for for property taxes. So it's kind of absurd to, to hear them say that this is going to necessarily get passed on. That's not how the market works. That's not how goods are priced. Um, it's going to mostly redound to landlords. So, but on the second point on the, on the idea of the triple net lease where by contract parties are going to are obligated to pay these. That is a real and valid concern, but I think it's really important to think about this in the context of um, a lot of these small businesses have been through COVID have been given zero forbearance, meaning that their commercial landlords have not worked with them to, to, to say, let's set aside rent or let's reduce your rent. They just let these businesses go out of business, which I think is just dumb and bad from a business stance and a moral sense, but it's not like commercial landlords have been treating these small businesses, you know, with kid gloves during the pandemic. I think what we're going to see um, is because of these rising vacancy rates, I think this is going to, in some ways, empower small businesses um, because they can, you know, because we have these rising vacancy rates associated with COVID, they will be able to say, hey, you want me to sign a, a lease for this new place and make me pay the new reassessed property values? No, thanks. I'm, I'm out. Like, I'll go somewhere else. And I think it will create bargaining power because these commercial landlords will, um, they will have, to, because they're having a reassessment, the cost of having a vacant um, space is going to go up quite a bit. So I think, you know, it, I, I'm not, I don't want to discount the potential pain, um, but I think in the, the medium and long run, I think we're actually going to see businesses actually, small businesses really benefit from having um, a little bit more leverage against commercial landlords who have really, if you just think about it, the idea of passing through the insurance payments, the property taxes and all these other expenses onto small businesses has just not really, you know, it's not equitable from the first. And so to the extent that as, you know, these parties come up to renegotiate leases or they expire or they're, um, you know, informally evicted, I think it's really, you know, a, a good project for a world after hopefully Prop 15 passes, is really organizing small businesses to say like, you're not obligated to sign a, a triple net lease. Like you can negotiate, you know, and you're gonna have more power to negotiate In a post Prop 15 world, so I think that is really um, that is where it needs to go. I I again, I don't want to discount the potential pain there, but there's really an opportunity for I guess solidarity among uh, small businesses that rent commercial property.
1: Uh, With uh, KCSB News, uh, this is Robert Stark.